it's simple, really. Great stories with a good cup of tea. It's the Tea with Mike show. Please welcome to today's episode of the Tea with Mike show, Tom Tran, a recent graduate of Houston's secondary school, British Columbia, and founder of the non-profit organization, Yes Theory BC. How's it going today, Tom? Tom? Good. How are you, Mike? No, I'm doing good. good. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. Thanks for being here. Yeah, no problem. Excited to d dive into your story uh, and all the cool things uh, that you've been that you, that you get up to, especially uh, in the areas of volunteering and uh, in the community. So uh, we're yep. just gonna we're just gonna jump right into it. And I believe that you spent all of your life so far in Houston. So what was it yeah. like? What was it like growing up in British Columbia and what was some of your favorite things to do? Yeah, so we grew up in a really small town in northern BC. Um, if you you're, if you know the area quite a bit, it is just west of PG a little bit. That's the biggest, uh, closest biggest city there. But um, yeah, there's only a total of like 3,000 people, so it's pretty tiny, you know? Like there'd be schools and stuff like that that would be or some grad classes in cities would be bigger than our entire school. So really, really small community. You know everyone. You know, if there's something bad that goes on, everyone will know about it. So there's no secrets to hide. But to be honest, I think Houston is actually a pretty great place to grow up, in my opinion, um, especially when it comes to the community and meeting new people. You really, truly get to build, like, a relationship, which I found really, really unique. Even when I went to, like, uh, neighboring towns and stuff like that with maybe an extra 1,000 or 2,000 extra people, it's just a different community, and I guess we kind of take it for granted a little bit. So, for example, like in school, we would uh, we'd be so close to the teachers. Like half the time, we would stay till like seven, eight o'clock, and there'd always be like extra school events hosted by the teachers and stuff like that. But it's just really interesting to see how you know the nice thing about living in small communities is, in a sense, you're kind of forced to um, you know get to know everyone. While in the city, you can kind of pick and choose, and there's always ups and downs to both of them. But I think, for me personally, it was it was good to learn that kind of small town because I feel like people from the city never want to go to the small town, but people in the small town always want to go to the city. So it's a really cool perspective to see. And yeah, I've even like with three thousand people, I've been able to do a lot. So I don't think just because you live in a small area doesn't mean you know you can't do all the cool things people in the city can. Or there's not as there's not as many opportunities. There's, if you can look for the opportunities, you can definitely find them in the town still. So. It's pretty fun. F fantastic, man. And so what are some of the the cons of uh, living in uh, such a uh, small community? Because I would imagine that um, like when you go and grocery shopping, that, that yeah. there's probably like a 90% chance you're going to uh, see someone. Uh, uh, you, 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 you know, right? Whether you <laughs> yeah. like them or, or you don't like them, whether it's your favorite school teacher or your, or your least favorite teacher. Hey. Yeah, it's. There's definitely cons when it comes, I guess if you don't like someone, you kind of have to put on a facade. It was kind of funny, especially, um, I, I'd say our town's actually pretty multicultural for such a small town. A lot of different immigrants, even my parents were immigrants, you know, coming from uh, Vietnam and stuff. But I'd probably say it's pretty, it's pretty culturally diverse. And so the problem is if you do not, if you don't like someone, you're still kind of forced to like them. Because, you know, profession, being professional and stuff like that. But there'd be a lot of drama. Like, if something did bad happen, the whole town would know about it. And there'd be this divide. I don't know. It's pretty funny. It's like some movie movie scenes where there'd be just two sides 
taking arms and they'd, they'd kind of argue it out and stuff like that. But, uh, and it's, we have a pretty strong community. So everyone kind of comes together and the issues get resolved and stuff like that. But I feel like for the most part, it's not too bad. The only problem is the, the opportunities. There's definitely opportunities to find, but there's only so much you can find here until you, you know, you got to move on in a sense. So I feel like for me personally, I've kind of outgrown everyone here in a sense, not in a mean way, but like, I've discovered every uh, path and I've learned the most I could from different people and stuff. So I'm definitely excited to move on. Ready and for, for some people, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. That's fine. For some people, you know, it's sometimes the, uh, it's a great starting point for sure. Especially like when it comes to experience, I think people should experience a small town and a big city, but it's definitely nicer to smart start in a small town. So Excellent. And yeah, for sure. Because then, then you're learning a lot of those interpersonal skills, those communication skills, those people skills, and then also how to address conflict and issues in a respectable but progressive way. Hey? Yep. Like in my Val Victorian speech, uh, one thing that I, I kind of heavily lean against is there's. Uh, there was quite a bit of drama in my grad class because it's so small, right? And, you know, we've grown up together and, and you know, everyone has their issues and stuff. But the problem is it's so small, it kind of sticks with you. So, like, if you did something in, like, fourth grade or whatever, they'll still remember that till, until your 12th grade. So the tension just kind of continued to build, and there's no way to kind of relieve that tension through other friends. You kind of just were forced to uh, be friends through uh, day one. And so, like, I kind of... I kind of like emphasize like, you know, even though we may not have enjoyed a lot of it or, you know, some people might have not enjoyed it as much, you know, what the experiences we've gone through is, you know, who, how we've been shaped to, you know, the day we, gra the day we graduate, the, our experiences and stuff together is how we, uh, how we uh, became. So I don't know. And you kind of rather than, you know, looking at the negative part about it, I just looked at it as a positive and so we just take what we learn and we move on excellent that's that sounds like the best thing to do i know you just graduated high school but what was some of your uh, favorite and uh, least favorite subjects in uh, school and why probably the biggest subject i don't even know if you consider a subject but is like leadership so that kind of ties in with what i'm doing now but i guess academically I guess biology and chemistry <laughs> and maybe some math, but no, definitely leadership for sure because of the people aspect. The one thing I, I learned, I learned the most from uh, leadership because the difference is obviously chemistry, math, and uh, biology. It's very content-based. You're just learning, you know, whatever, like different uh, molecules and, you know, different like derivatives from math or whatever right but the thing about leadership is you're, it has to do with people obviously and I find it way more fascinating to work with people and uh you know kind of how the classes break down is very it's I find them very different and so I really enjoyed working with people and kind of that aspect versus just learning the content and then that kind of led me to my uh my nonprofit and stuff like that where you know I could either be the person in school, you know, doing the lab, you know, doing the research or whatever in school, or I could be the person, you know, doing the people skills and, you know, kind of 
motivating people to do the lab for me. And so, you know, there's different, uh, obviously different positions or roles you can play. And so through school, I kind of learned like what I enjoyed and what I wanted to do in the sense as a career uh, further down the road. And I saw the benefits of X, like, you know, of X and Y, and I saw the negative negatives of, you know, other things. And so leadership really taught me there's definitely many ways you can take a, take your career and it doesn't always have to be, you know, uh, learning how to do, you know, chemistry or biology and stuff like that. So it's, it's really interesting. We can get more into that if you want, but I definitely have a big take on that. We'll, we'll get to that a little, uh, a little later, but I'll just follow up and say that that's the hardest part about at school is you learn all of these uh, tra traditional subjects, which are very important important for certain career paths like if you want to be a scientist or a yeah. doctor or, or even get into the education system which are all great um career paths because we need every, lots of different types of people in the world doing lots of different types of careers otherwise uh, we wouldn't function as a, a society if, if everybody wanted to um be a policeman like uh, we we wouldn't have any scientists and we wouldn't have any doctors and it would be yeah. a, a broken system and that's the beauty of the world knowing that we can do whatever we choose to but at the same time it's also the hardest part deciding on what you want to do uh, personally and and then it's, it's all good to have the idea of how you're going to do it it's another thing altogether to know like how you're going to get there mm-hmm so in your bio, uh, you say, I love learning through new opportunities and seeking challenges. And you're, and then you talk about some of your hobbies, which include cooking, fishing, gardening, filmmaking, and editing. So did you start your hobbies as a way of learning new things or were they something you did to hang out with friends? So some of them, like some of the hobbies I learned just through, uh, my parents and stuff like that just through experience and being exposed to uh that kind of stuff and others uh hobbies were created because i wanted to force myself to learn a different skill to you know further boost whatever i was doing in school or whatever and then it just naturally i enjoyed it so i took it in as a hobby so i guess we'll break down a little bit the gardening and like the cooking and stuff that's more of like the relaxing kind of hobbies you know <laughs> yes. um i like i like being active and stuff and fishing's fun because we live in the north you, you in alberta there are probably some on uh, some lakes out there, stuff like that. To, to be to be honest, I'm, uh, there is, but I'm not uh, hugely knowledgeable because I haven't done much fishing in my life. The only fishing I've done is uh, fly fishing uh, in the Channel Islands, which are some islands off uh, France where my grandparents uh, used to live. Francois? Sorry? Did you say Francois Lake? No, no, I said the Channel Islands, that uh, which oh, is with some islands just off France in Europe. Oh, oh, snap! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sick. No, fly fishing's fun. It's just like uh, with cool with friends and stuff like that. Where like the filmmaking and stuff and like the editing and stuff like that came from, uh, from again school leadership. This is why I love leadership so much. I learned a lot in that class that the past two years. So during. My filmmaking or how I got the passion for that is uh, we started up a news channel in a uh, school, which is kind of fun to do. So um, how that went is or how I, I guess that kind of was created was because through COVID and stuff like that, there was no there was a big loss of community. Right. Everyone was kind of segregated into specific cohorts and stuff like that. 
And so I thought it'd be a great idea. So yeah, assemblies were gone. You know, there's no real communication between the different grades and stuff. And it, you felt really isolated. And so I took it upon myself to start up a kind of um, news channel, kind of like Dude Perfect or whatever. That's kind of <laughs> that's kind of where we got inspired. And so there's a group of us. It's called the Sty Guys. I don't know if you want to look it up or whatever. It's really, it's really, uh, it's really. I will look it up now that you said that I should look it up. So yeah. everyone, go go check it out. How how do you spell it? It's it. No, we don't run it anymore. But it was oh. a really cool. Yeah, it was a really cool monument of like challenge and stuff like that. Because I never used to know how to film or anything like that. I did like a few French videos and I just put them together. But that's you know like through that I kind of you know learned different skills of how to edit and how to film and even act. I don't know. But it was super fun and. Again, we I, did, I learned different skills, you know, learning how to talk to different people. You have to be open. You have to have an open mind because obviously um, if you're representing the school, you obviously want to keep everyone included. So, it's, again, it's more like that discipline of, you know, keeping your uh, your opinions aside and treating everyone with an open mind and the same respect, even though maybe you you might have different opinions and stuff. And it really taught me the value of working with others and, you know, not sh- – choosing not to uh cut people off because that was a that's another story we could go into but for the longest time i was in a group of uh a group of kids who were more closed-minded and were kind of i guess quote-unquote toxic or whatever and so it really held me back when it came to you know networking or whatever if you want to call it that or you know even just reaching out and seeing the opportunities that other people can provide we were kind of trained as a group to cut people off and kind of stick together as one but in reality in like a high school standpoint it was fine it was fun but if you want to move on and grow up which you know that's what happens when you hopefully hit grade 11 and 12 you know you got to take that next step and so i realized yo that what we're doing is not okay and so i kind of distanced myself from those guys and started to do more volunteer work and stuff like that and talk to different people and that's where things really started to um to grow and blossom so i thought it was really cool fantastic Fantastic. And so uh, have you had any mentors or people that you've been influenced by either in your uh, local community or I guess in, I guess in the sense of uh, the, the digital world and all of the di- uh, different people that you can look up on, on the internet? Definitely. I think the teachers, like teachers in our school for sure. Um, and I, can't, I think it's mostly, I guess, the mature the mature aspect of just being an adult and stuff like that i never really had any real like legit mentor where you know we just sit down and talk but generally every time i i listen to different people i always take what they say um to heart and i really think about what they say and you know kind of analyze and break down what they mean but a lot of the time when i look i talk to teachers in school you know i guess as a teacher in a sense you as well have to be super open op- like super uh, open to change and to um, these different experiences that even though you may not like it because obviously every kid's different and so I don't know if you put yourself in someone else's shoes it really does make a difference and especially if you're 18 it's really hard to like tell someone like talk to someone who's like you know 16 or 17 even like 18 sometimes it's really hard to like sit down and talk about like what's what's important to life and you know what a what does a true friendship mean? And, and like, as a kid, especially, what I'm saying might sound pretty silly, but when we're so young, we don't understand the importance of, you know, like, true friendships and, like, you know, 
um, growing and stuff like that. We're so the world's definitely changed as well, especially like even when I was young mm. and talking to adults, especially like realizing what you know what kids did 20 years ago versus what we do now. It's just crazy, and I think that's like what I want to do for work eventually. It's just like to work with kids and with yeah, like youth leadership and stuff like that, and see how the uh, the young mind works and how you can teach them or train them to understand the value of uh, leadership and stuff like that. Because I was exposed at a young age, fortunately, and it really has benefited me greatly. So. And, and, to, and, and to your point, um, the world is always evolving and mm. you have to keep learning to, to, to I guess, to, to, stay, to stay current without using too many uh, cliches like, yeah, that's one of the hardest thing in in life is to surround yourself with the, the right people and and really defining what friendship uh, means to yeah. you. And I used to be a person that wanted that wanted to get to know everybody, and of course that has its uh, pros and cons because at least in my experience, I was trying to impress everybody who ulti- and ultimately I, I learned this like the hard way and through more experience as I got a little bit older I was like they actually they're on their own path of discovery and they actually truly as sad as it sounds they don't actually care about me I'm just an I'm just yeah, an yeah. item or not that's also that's not quite right I'm just a person in their um current environment and it's and it's and that's reflective of how many people that you don't talk to after you at leave school and the majority of people end up with a completely different set of uh, friendships than the p- people that they went to school with. I know yep. I keep in touch with maybe like two people that I went to school with and, and it was probably like over, it was, there was at least 200, 300, 400 people in my, in my year alone when I went to school in England. Wow. No, I think, I think like a lot of the stories and uh, stuff I'll I'll be bringing up like further down the uh, the podcast is more like high school related. It might sound like really I don't know. When I talk to adults generally about like my experience in high school, they're actually pretty reasonable. But sometimes when I look back, like man, it sounds really stupid the things I say. But like in all honesty, I feel like high school is such a developing point for, especially it kind of like builds the foundation for generally of what you're going to do as an adult right and so if you have a really powerful youth it, it'll really uh propel you i feel like further down the line yes i i agree with you um so, so some of it's false but some of it's also uh, created the the, <laughs> the more you can taste when you're younger i definitely think that reflects like in 10 20 30 even like 40 years and you don't always know it in the moment you just have to mm-hmm. live the, live the journey even if it even if it doesn't seem to have a purpose or, or a direction at that specific moment yeah cool all right we're gonna uh, take a short short break uh, for uh, the staple tea fact that's on every episode of the tea with mike podcast uh, so today's uh, tea fact is uh, the perfect water temperature varies by tea. Green and white teas require water of at least 150 degrees Fahrenheit, whilst the strongest variety, black, needs boiling waters of uh, 212 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. And this comes from countryliving.com food dash drinks. So that's the tea fact for today's episode. What did you think? Oh, um, I didn't know how, how much... Uh... 
hotter black tea was supposed to be. <laughs> That's a substantially yeah. different temperature. And neither did I until I obviously I did, did some research on it. And, yeah, and, that's one, and that's one of my favorite things about the podcast, of course, number one, un unlocking people like use story through natural conversation in a, a relaxing manner, but then also educating myself on like, how, how complex the world of uh, tea is. Yeah. <laughs> Any, you can make anything uh, interesting if you put your mind to it. I feel like you can always learn something. That's true. And, and before right. we and before we get kind of get back on, um, into your story, like, what's your favorite type of tea? Okay, so um, I'm definitely a, a fruit tea kind of guy. I've, I've tried the you know the green tea stuff like that. I don't know, and I definitely like cold tea too. I, I like cold tea, and I think it's because of David's tea. Because the first time I really got into tea is through David's Tea. It's a Canadian tea company, I think. Unfortunately, they checked down a bunch of stores, which is kind of sad. Yes, it is, but it's still online, correct? Yeah, it's still online. And so, so the day I got interested in tea was they, they always have free samples. So we walked in the mall one time in Vancouver, and I'm like, yo, this place looks so pretty with all the colors and stuff. So I got a, I got a free sample. I'm like, dang, this is really good. But I think to narrow it down, definitely like peach tea. I, I'm a sucker for peach or like apricot or any of those like yellow fruits, but, and with ice and some honey, add a little bit of sugar maybe, even though you don't even need sugar with the fruit tea, it still tastes way better anyways. But yeah, it's definitely yeah. tea. So, so usually I drink Yorkshire teas, uh, very strong uh, black tea, but a little bit recently I uh, dived into some chai tea and it's actually mm. crazy um, how, how much longer uh, chai tea with a little bit honey like keeps its temperature uh, versus uh, black tea just just in a kind of uh, a, a, like standard milk yeah oh snap so you got like the whole science figured out with the heat retention and all that uh not really but that's just what i discovered but like the difference uh, uh, uh. between the two like exactly the same uh, method you know boiling the water in the in, in the kettle uh, I, I know there's there's better methods to do it but usually mm. it's a it's a time thing but the way it kept its heat versus black tea i realized i realized that that's probably why i drink so much black tea in in a day is because it goes cold faster so it so i know i have to drink it quickly oh, so it doesn't lose temperature yeah 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 mm. that's i always drink my coffee as well or tea i can't drink hot beverages like especially if i get them right off the uh, the store or if i just pour the kettle right away i, I have to let it sit for a bit if you were uh, to pick one hobby as your favorite, just in maybe like 15, 20 seconds, which would it be and why? Probably just the hobby to um, seek opportunities. I don't know, that's, that may sound a little cliche, but as in, I, I kind of actually enjoy the challenge of um, uh, learning different things. Because generally, even when it comes to jobs, I get pretty bored. So I like problem solving no, no matter like no matter what the problem is. So I, I quite enjoy that. And... Uh, you know, going out and meeting people and, uh, you know, even taking different classes and learning different things, especially when it comes to learning. Like the reason why I excelled so well in school is not because of the content I learned, but the process of like how you learned it and the experiences you made through it. So if school is online, I'm just saying with COVID, I probably would have not have taken school because I would have, I would not have done well. And so what would be your number one tip for somebody as still in at school uh, on the best ways to learn uh, school-based material? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. 
It was a perfect question. That's a good question. I think the the main tip is to uh, focus on how you learn the content versus just learning the content, rather than you know memorizing uh, different equations in math or you know different solutions and chemical reactions stuff in chemistry or whatever. Learn about like how do you break the break it down and like what inf- take different information. Like the process of learning is pretty much how I'd how I'd say it. I don't know. And the the cool reason with that is you can apply that skill anywhere, right? If you learn how to if you learn something something in a specific subject, you can only use that knowledge in that uh, that specific subject. Versus if you you know learn how to uh, take in information better and learn how to visualize it and stuff like that. They call it like core uh, core competencies where it's the the skills of learning information versus learning the content. And once you learn those skills, you can apply anywhere, and it just makes life so much easier. You just kind of change your aspect on learning and uh, how the education system is run. I think a little bit because I think the the way human minds work. And the old education system, it just doesn't go well together. Like, how can you wrap? How can you? Um, I had like a really good example. So, say you know, say if you're not so fit, right? Say you're a little overweight or whatever, and then during the summer or whatever, you lost 10, 15 pounds. That right. effort lose that you know to lose that weight is tremendous, mm-hmm. right? And so, how would you grade that on like a, uh, you know, a GPA scale? You know, from zero to hundred. You know, they lost 15 pounds to the average person. That is crazy. But how can you like, how can you put that on the scale versus, say, an elite athlete? You know, they tr- they train every single day, but they've reached this point of you know they only progress so slightly each day. So then, how do you put that on the scale? And that's what I'm kind of saying. Like, you can't. I just it just doesn't feel right to give someone a percentage because like, are they an eight? Are they like a 98 percent because they're that elite? But they they're only making you know, 0.5% of a, of a, you know, improvement versus someone who, you know, worked super hard to lose weight, but they're putting in like the same amount of effort. You know what I mean? But just because they're, they're starting off in a different, uh, kind of like position or whatever, doesn't mean, um, doesn't mean that their work is way less than what the elite athlete is. And so would you just because they're overweight doesn't mean that, you know, their grade isn't as good. So I feel like it's not about like it's like the journey in a sense. It's the effort. It's it's way it's way deeper than just throwing a number on someone. It's it's really hard to explain a little bit. But that's kind of like how it was a really good analogy that I got from one of my uh, science teachers. And I'm like, yeah, there's it just doesn't make sense. And so everyone starts at a different uh, level. But it's the effort and it's the journey of moving forward. I think that's the most important part. Exactly. I couldn't have said it any better. That is something I learned, uh, I guess, more recently. Like when I started uh, going going to the gym. Uh, I th- yeah. And, and I have a personal trainer. And that's what she, she she's t- t- taught me is you just got to, like, focus on your journey. Like, I, I'm starting at zero. Actually, probably less than zero because I having to fix stuff like posture issues like virtually no like grip and strength in my hands all these mm-hmm. ex- like extra obstacles in in my journey and so yeah. as soon as i as soon as i put those words into my mind it, it changes like how i think about the gym because i think one of the reasons why 
I always hated gym class in school or, or, or any, or di didn't take my health seriously in that sense. Well, sooner is because I liked com confidence because I'm surrounded mm -hmm. by all these people that are more athletic than me, that are stronger than me, or, I, all, all these things that I, I don't have. And so I think that actually held me back. And yeah, like imagine like, you know, you putting is putting all this effort in and they slap you with a, a C plus, right? But your progression, right? Your journey of going from starting at zero to, you know, maybe doing a pull up or having some grip strength, that's insane. Versus someone who, you know, constantly is playing soccer every single, single day, but they don't really improve that much. You know what I mean? Like you're the mental battle and like the grind in a sense or the journey was so much more impactful to you. It improved you so much more versus someone who, is already at that level and so i feel like it's not the system doesn't reflect that yes the, the, yeah. the traditional education system and that's and that's kind of like my uh my issue with it so and, yeah, that's a perfect yeah. perfect story for that yeah for sure and, and that's why i some, some, sometimes have to take uh, conversations that i have with people at the gym like with a grain of salt because Mm -hmm. because that's that's their life they, they they've been going to the gym probably for like years like regularly they're they're in what people would perceive to be in, in good shape right but but i almost like want to tell them because i, I don't look fit in in a stereotypical um, yeah. way i almost want to tell them do you remember when you when you started and the, the progress you make? Because when you get mm -hmm. to a certain level, and I, I think this comes in anything, I think there's a certain level of ego that comes in and it affects everybody. I know I've been yeah. egotistical in mm -hmm. jobs that I've been in for a long time because I think I, I know everything. And, and and that's when you make mistakes, when there's kind of like nothing new to, new to learn. And then I have to remember when I'm at the gym, whilst I'm having this conversation, yes, Mike, they they may be in better shape than you at this point in time, but that's because they've been doing it for longer and that's their life. Do they have a podcast? No, they no, they don't. Are they impacting people all, the, all around the world through, through content? Probably not. So then you have to balance it out with everything else, the big picture. And yeah, I guess it's really, I guess it's pretty cool for you to hear all these different experiences and stuff. So it also helps with that as well. All the different cool stories must be really must be really cool. Yes, yeah, and and just like learning about tea, it's definitely a, an educational a research component uh, to me because yeah. I'm I'm learning about other people's experiences. How do I apply th things I learn from your story and other people's story in my own life? So it's almost like a professional development at the same time. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I like the optimism. You always think about the positives. It goes far. That's something a teacher taught me too, I guess. Very, very little things, but they go a long way. So what skills have you uh, developed through um, uh, these hobbies and what have been, I guess, some of the most challenging uh, skills to learn and why? So as a, as a teenager, right, you're, you're constantly being bombarded by media and different types of pressure, no matter where it comes from, you know, social media, friends, your parents, you know, you're in this stage of life where you re you really don't know what's right and what's wrong, and so you have to take in all this information, and then eventually internally you have to decide what do you want to do with it all. And so I think, for me personally, what I've seen is the biggest things kids lack in 
these days or they struggle with is confidence and self-identity. I think that's the biggest skill that we, uh, the youth suffers in. Um, and for me, that was, you know, for me as well, I kind of, is is tough because we're in such an age where there's so many different uh, ideas of what's right and what's wrong. You just kind of take everything in and so quick, you don't really know what to do. And so we've grown up with social media and stuff like that. So a lot of uh, our culture and what we think is right comes from media. So, you know, the being the popular money, stuff like that, you know, showing off, sometimes even being a jerk, maybe, I don't know. It's just, you, no one knows what's right and what's wrong. And so people, especially when you're like really young, like in elementary school, I feel like you're way more down to earth. But again, I, I'm seeing it happen when I go to like elementary schools and stuff because I did a lot of tutoring. The It's starting to affect the younger, like the youth youth. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not good. But, um, you know, when you're that young, you don't really, you don't think about that stuff. But as, you know, you get into your teens and stuff, you start caring more about what people perceive you and your and what people think about you and stuff like that and so it becomes a really big part of your uh your life and so you try people try obviously really hard to you know create a good personality and stuff like that and i think what happens is many students they kind of they change to fit in with obviously the social norm or whatever lose their self their true self-identity in a sense you know their passion their true passion they change their passion they change their um, their interests and stuff like that just to fit in with a specific group because that's what's seen as the success in high school or elementary school and again it goes back to you know when you grow up and you realize that's not the that's not obviously the uh, the true dream and so yeah once you kind of lose that passion you 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 give in to the social pressure and you give you lose your your uh, old self i don't know it it really it really screws people over i've seen it a lot you know one really good example is a buddy of mine he used to uh he used to be a really big art guy you know and he loved drawing and stuff like that and we'd always hang out and he would he's always like the you know kind of like the nerd or whatever like there's nothing wrong with that he just like you know drawing and cartoons and stuff whatever but as we got older obviously people started talking more about girls and stuff like that and it was just really weird to see him change all of a sudden because interesting he, he changed a lot and i'm like what and i became friends with him because he you know he liked cartoons and he liked drawing and stuff like that i thought it was cool and then what happened was as we got older he changed you know his uh his personality a bit and he started becoming to fit in with the social norm the popularity and stuff and he really did lose his identity and i knew on the inside i could tell he really didn't like it like not to like i don't want to share too much just because it's his story to say but you know he and i don't think he really did looking back i think he really didn't enjoy high school that much because he um changed who he was as a person on the outside it looked like he was having a great time you know he had all the friends we had we shared the same friends we still remain friends but we kind of distanced because our our friendship was built on you know being honest and just being who you were as a person but he kind of changed through social pressure and he lost a lot of character and he lost that drive and that's also really another important thing that you know that drive to do something it, when we graduated you kind of hit this wall right yeah i don't know he never applied to universities, unfortunately. Not that that's important, but you know, just any sort of passion, any sort of 
love or interest in anything. It's just gone out the window because, you know, before his passion of um, drawing and stuff like that, it was so looked down upon, you know, like instead of further investing with it and, you know, further loving it, he kind of chose to throw it away. And, and so it really, really, really screws with people. That's all I've noticed. And for me personally, I've kind of, I've never really given into so uh, peer pressure that much just because, I don't know, just like what happened to my buddy. I don't like, I want to do what I want. I'm, for me personally, it's not that big of a deal, but I don't know. Once you get that confidence, building that confidence, having that passion, no matter what, no matter what people say, it'll never deter, like it'll never deter you. That's something I learned. Like, if you're doing something you love, no matter what, I don't know, nothing will stop you and you'll achieve your dreams. But unfortunately, a lot of kids, they give up their passion for just really stupid things in school, unfortunately, and it's it's hard to see, um, it's hard to see that happen. But I know, but and then there's like those kids who aren't as popular who don't do that. And they might not have the greatest time in high school, but man, do they become super cool people when they're adults? And yeah, it's, a, it's it's almost like the opposite. And yeah. It's also it's also really exciting for you that uh, you recognize that at, at at the age you are. I mean, even I probably because uh, uh, probably the hardest thing in life is developing confidence and belief in yourself, yeah. and to 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 do what makes again without sounding too cliche. Uh, kind mm-hmm. of what makes uh, you happy and uh, not others. So, I guess I guess you've just got a, a, a ton of time on your on your hands to to do some uh, pretty amazing things. And I wish I had that yeah. same level of confidence at eighteen that I am still discovering. But I would guess I was more comfortable with it. Maybe when I am twenty five, nearly twenty six, or maybe like that journey of change at about twenty three. Just to maybe like 30, 30 seconds to a minute, can you tell us a little bit about the HHS leadership program and a little bit more about uh, what, what it is and then also kind of uh, what inspired you back when you were in school um, to take that program? So um, HSS, the HSS leadership program is just a, uh, it's kind of like student council a little bit where uh, you know, you join to improve your school uh, spirit and culture, um, bring people together through school events, stuff like that, um, running dances. So yeah, it's pretty much just uh, hanging out with friends and you just making the school a better place. And um, I think the, uh, the cool thing about leadership was that it really opened up your mind again to, you know, those different perspectives. And that was, I think the biggest learning curve for me was just Letting go of my past, I think I tried too hard trying to bring people up, but in reality, they're holding me down. I think that's the biggest problem. And um, leadership allowed me again to to kind of let go easier and to move on and to find others. Um, because you're dealing with so many people, it's just kind of the, the nature of the class. You, you're kind of forced to talk to different groups of people that you generally were never comfortable with. And it really taught me that helping people is actually really rewarding and you can actually you know it can be a career that's the biggest also the biggest takeaway is uh entrepreneurship and like associated also plus like personal growth and that kind of general field you can you can make a career out of it while simultaneously feeling good and helping people so i thought it was a really good experience especially at a young age i believe that as a part of uh, this pr- uh, program again 
uh, the one of the things involved uh, was public speaking. So mm-hmm. can you so can you remember how you felt the first time uh, that you had to do public speaking and kind of what you learned from that experience? So the first time I public I like did like proper public speaking was um, back in the the beginning of the year where uh, especially when we run these events, obviously there's got to be someone to tell the school what to do and stuff like that, and. I guess through my years before I just did leadership, I also did a lot of, you know, personal development through like working out and building that confidence and stuff through just talking to people and believing myself. But it was, it was pretty nerve nerve wracking at first, but once you're like, like once you're a minute in, it's, it's no big deal. I don't know. You just, you really just got to think of the positives. I feel like a lot of the time, especially when you're nervous, you think about, Oh man, what are the crowd? What's the crowd going to think? Well, you know, how are the people going to react? But then once you're in the, uh, once you're in it and you're speaking and if you really do care about it and again if you're passionate you're just you go with the flow at that point you just kind of speak from the heart and it's really it's really powerful especially if you you truly believe in what you're saying it goes a long ways yes i I think that's one of the hardest uh, parts about public speaking is being authentic uh, uh to to who you are as you deliver the message or whatever you're delivering because it's there's a difference between good public speakers and bad public speakers. The bad public speakers make it sound like a rallying cry and a motivational t- type thing versus yeah. good uh, public speakers that hold the room's attention and uh, they've impacted the room and people leave that particular event feeling a range of different emotions and uh, feelings and, uh, and, and, they, and, they, and they're interested in uh, carrying on the discussion and the debate with other people that attended the event or even uh, the speaker uh, themselves, depending on the context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, of course. People think like, people think you're like this whole, like this huge figure or something like you're crazy when you public speak. But I mean, like, I'm just an average guy. I just, it's cause I cared about the school, right? I cared about what I was doing. It just made it easier, but people hold you so much, so much higher than what I feel like I did. I just spoke, you know what I mean? But it's interesting. Um, and so, and so, what was the first topic that you did, like a presentation or, or spoke on? It was about Terry Fox. Oh yeah. So, um, you know, we everyone has the uh, every year. There's the annual run, for Terry Fox raising money for cancer. So, you know, just I was tasked to giving him a little bit, of, just giving out the story and talking about uh, his journey and you know why he. He did what he did and stuff like that. And I actually really like Terry Fox. I always liked him. So he's kind of the reason why I like running. I was wearing a, I'm wearing a Terry Fox shirt right now, actually, ironically, underneath the hoodie. But yeah, and so just talked about how he sacrificed so much for his passion of raising money. And yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a good, it was a good topic to talk about. So. And so obviously now we have a, a very solid uh, foundational based on um, what, what you kind of got up in, in school, what you did uh, outside of school, some of the things you, uh, you learned from uh, your experiences so far. So now mm-hmm. we're going to uh, transition a little bit into talking about a uh, yes theory. So can you tell us how you first heard about a uh, yes theory and what it is? So yes theory is a, um, I guess it's kind of like an influence I don't really know what to call them anymore because initially before they started up 
a YouTube channel as a group. There originally there's four guys. I, his name there were Thomas, Matt, Amar, and Darren. They came from uh, Montreal. They studied there. All international students coming together, and they they started their yesterday YouTube channel, um, making videos about seeking discomfort. So I think it's like a month of discomfort every day. They'd do something different going out of their comfort zone, and I heard that through. Um, my sister found them a really, really long time ago. Like this is, we started watching them when they pretty much started back in like 2016 or something like that. Then when they were still in Canada, and yeah, I don't know. At that time, it's just you didn't see many videos like that of just you know being positive and stuff. And I think that's why a lot of people today still like to watch them and follow them. It's just they're uh, they can make content so positive yet you know enjoyable to watch at the same time. It's not like cliche, boring stuff, but it's it's positive and. It's fun to watch and stuff like that. So they've definitely hit the spot with that. Inspired you to start the Houston chapter of Yes Theory, and how is it different from the original Yes Theory? Okay, yeah. So this is this is a good question as well. Um, I started Yes Theory in uh, Houston or in BC because I mean Yes Theory naturally just promotes fan accounts in a sense or different groups like there's a yesterday usa yes like you if you have any country if you slap yesterday plus the country you'll find it on instagram guaranteed so i was like screw it you know i'll just start a uh i'll start a, a bc one because there's already a canadian one but i think that account's dead but anyways the cool thing was because i was so passionate about leadership and i feel like the message of yesterday and it's seeking discomfort they i thought those two like um they they fit so well together. I feel like to to do volunteer work and to uh, you know do uh, work that involves people, you have to seek discomfort. And so I thought those those were two diff like two perfect um, scenarios to put together. And the problem was the what's different between yesterday and what I want to do is I feel like because um, because yesterday is, is such a big brand, they have so much uh, power to. You know, influence their fans. There's a definitely a very dedicated fan base. But I found it really interesting how there's not a big source of uh, humanitarian work or volunteer work, which is surprising. I'd go on their Facebook and stuff. Uh, you'd see posts about many different people from the community that are part of the Yes community. But it was never really about like humanitarian work. Is is like you know self development. You know, like say someone was sober for two years they'd post that or you know they lost weight or whatever and that's right. cool and all like i was just very surprised that not a single person um posted about you know using the message and then using that to inspire others to do the same and especially i feel like yes theory has such a very specific mindset that there's you know there's a bunch of group of people that are very entrepreneur like i feel like you know very um motivated to do something i just feel like that's kind of the tone that the yesterday group has and so i was just surprised i was just surprised that uh, there wasn't anything like that and so i did post a uh um a th i posted a little thread on the facebook account just just kind of low-key calling them out i'm not gonna lie i'm via i was like yo i'm like where's all the volunteer work you know what i mean and actually there's a few people who actually did reach reach out to me that were like actual legit researchers actually based off the uk maybe i should give um give him your contact he might be interesting to talk to but sure. um we'll talk after he um he does like leadership research and he too thought the same thing and i got other people like kind of bringing up the same point i'm like yeah why is there no um why is there no leadership because i feel like if I was, I got mainly attracted to yesterday because of my involvement of humanitarian work. But then I started to realize that many people that are part of yesterday became involved because they wanted a group. 
or they needed help to, you know, reach that goal. And so of, you know, improving themselves or whatever, which was just interesting to find. Not obviously not everyone's like that, but I think that's kind of like the feeling I got from it. And so this is such a perfect opportunity because, you know, if I can fuse volunteer work with their movement, I just feel like those two go so well together. And I did. And it actually got a decent amount of traction. I mean, a little busy with packing and stuff in school, but like the things we did in town, even like Yes Theory has commented on our posts and stuff, maybe that they have a PR team or whatever, which may not be a big deal, but still like we've been recognized and stuff like that. And so I feel like when I go down to Victoria, I'll keep pushing it and maybe meet more people that are part of the group and say, hey, you know, volunteer work goes a long ways. And my goal, hopefully, with the Yes Theory BC account is to meet the the founders like Matt and Amar and Thomas and be like, you guys can really make a difference with this this uh, this much influence. And so I wouldn't mind, you know, maybe giving you guys ideas or whatever to start up your own. Kind of like, you know, the Red Cross or yeah. uh, Yousef, you know what I mean? Just kind of like that. You don't have to run it, but you guys it would make it look good for the brand. And you guys have that uh, foundation to do that. And so I'm just surprised that no one's ever thought about that. I feel like, or I'm not and like not even like, even on Instagram, not a single sub fan group or whatever has done something like that. And I was just surprised. This is why you need to get your story out to the world, and that's why we're having ha- doing this podcast. Yeah, hopefully, they'll, hopefully they'll uh, I'll keep pushing it out, and they'll see. And I really want to talk to them. Be like, hmm. So what's the deal? <laughs> but I don't know. We've done some crazy stuff, like. Um, for just a group of teenagers, right? And that's also a big selling point too, is we're so young. And it's not just me, it's a, it's a whole bunch of other uh, teenagers that are also helping me out as well. We, it's a youth organization too. So, and then again, that's another big shock factor, but you know, we've raised a bunch of money for like the Red Cross when it came to the forest fires, doing car washes. We we do community pickways and that's how I met Sam Dema, another guy, an entrepreneur down in uh, um, Ontario. And he kind of did the same thing where you know, he started leadership stuff in school, and then he um, he found that passion and then made it into a career in a sense or, you know, made companies and stuff based off of volunteer work. Um, I've talked to – and that's how, you, how I even met Eric through Yes Theory. I met him through a uh, – just through mutual friends. And uh, one time we were in, like, a call, and I just joined up the call, and we talked for, like, a solid two hours just about life and stuff like that. And – you know, just meeting new people, and it's all through the Yes community. Um, but I just want to put a heavy focus on volunteer work and making people realize that, you know, there's a lot of benefits to helping people than just, you know, quote unquote, helping people. In your bio, you say that Yes Theory BC's goal is to better our communities, enhance the well being of people all around the valley, and improve the environment. So can you tell us a bit about some of the things you do to support local and global issues and how you choose which causes to support? So how we choose our causes is just through like a, a team meeting. Um, I think that's kind of the cool thing about yesterday in a sense in what we do is just as in um, we just vote on what we want to do. So it keeps things fresh and also doesn't keep us biased towards one specific subject or whatever. So we're always constantly learning new things, dealing with different challenges and stuff like that. So we just have team meetings once a week generally, and we just, hey, do we want to support maybe the senior center, pick up some garbage, you know, work with the the uh, EMS, whatever, right? And then some things that we've done that are pretty cool, 
or say like the environment yeah so sure like let's choose the environment for example the environment's super easy right um we just go around picking up garbage um when it comes to working with actual companies like uh non-profits or different we worked with northern health in bc here as well um we did we helped run a uh, vaccine clinic which was pretty cool um whatever your your stand you're standing on vaccines is uh whatever but more of the sense, just the experience of running something that at that high scale and that level of professionalism. It's really cool to see, especially as a teenager. So when it comes to like choosing the idea, it's really up to the group, right? It's the passion. That's I always loop it back down to passion and that motivation, that drive. Um, our group is just filled with a bunch of ambitious students who just want to help. And so I've kind of created that opportunity to, you know, allow them to join a group without having to deal with them you know the, the talking and the negotiating and all they want and you know they can experience the fun part like going out and giving cookies to seniors or you know uh, we did a free ice cream truck too so giving ice cream to kids you know stuff the fun stuff like that but i enjoy doing the more negotiating stuff and then i still do the volunteer work as well but there's gotta be that one person to step up and so thank luckily you know i was the one to do it and so i've Fortunately, gotten a lot of the attention, but it's kind of uh, the point of you know the volunteer work, and you need. I feel like it's important to get yourself out there so people can recognize the work that you do. And so, especially when it comes to the global scale, you know, if you the skills of you know the networking and the the editing or whatever the social media part about it, you know, having those skills to let your um, let the people know what you've been doing, and so then it, it's like a cycle, you know, obviously people want to do something for a reason. And so if people, you know, if people don't recognize your work, then it really demotivates the group. But if you see that recognition, it further continues to motivate the group to do more and more and more. And it's the mutual benefit of, you know, gaining more publicity, more respect. And at the same time, you're feeling good doing it. And so I feel like it's a, it is a future career that definitely I might be interested in. So we'll see. And I think you'd uh, do a good job of whatever uh, you choose to do. What have been some of the most challenging things about establishing Yesterday BC? And what are some mm. of the skills that you've kind of had to develop? So the hardest challenge is dealing with people. <laughs> like as in um, getting people to volunteer. That was the toughest part. Generally, when it came to like negotiating with big companies or even small organizations it wasn't too hard they say that they say no they say no they say yes they say yes and we move on from there but the volunteering part that's the hardest part because i don't know that's that's kind of um the foundation it's kind of like you know like if you're a manager you kind of rely on your employees it's the same thing for me as as a leader or whatever of the group you kind of you know you need to you need to have people to support you and the skill I learned from that is again just you know being open-minded and just kind of I guess considerate of everyone's um different opinions and stuff like that and obviously um you know being at that level of control or I guess influence or whatever not everyone will agree with what you say and so it's important for me, for me, I learned that it's important to just, you know, be understanding and, and you know, sometimes you got to make sacrifices for specific things in, uh, 
in the future. So if you realize that, you know, maybe something's not worth it down the road, you just, you got to make like those tough decisions, I guess. And as a young, someone who's young, it's kind of hard to do that a little bit, especially when, um, you know, your, your, your main intent is always to, to you know, do good. Sometimes people don't see that. And so you got to make the decision to say, Hey, no, or, you know, step in and say yes. Or I don't know. It's really, really important when it came to the adaptability, like you mentioned earlier, just learning how to adapt and everyone is different and you just got to realize that, especially when you're in that management or leadership position for sure. An interview with at PC Local News, you, you mentioned at being inspired by motivational speaker and entrepreneur Sam Demmer. So can you tell us a little bit more about why he inspired you? and how Sam has helped guide you personally to set up a community project. So S Sam, I met through a, uh, a leadership conference and he, uh, he just talked about his story and his main story was just kind of like small consistent actions. And so, and this is, has to do with my teacher again. She, she always, uh, shout out to Miss Williams. <laughs> she always, uh, she always put me into positions where you know I would have never have thought of putting myself in like like a lot of times she'd literally just throw me in these public speaking spots like you know stuff like that and at first I'm like what the heck are you doing but you know she always knew I'd, I'd thank her in the end which I did it gave me a lot of opportunities which is kind of funny but she went out her way and reached out to him because I asked I asked a question but it was too late in the conference so she went out of her way and actually reached him out and we actually had a, a side conversation a little bit, and he sent us these uh, wristbands, which is kind of cool. We got free wristbands because we were talking to him. Small, consistent actions. Shout yeah, out to who, Sam. There you go. Who doesn't but, like free, who doesn't like free wristbands, right? I know, but um, he kind of talked about his story and how he was, you know, a teenager and how he wanted to impact people in some way, and he started his uh, his kind of volunteer company like Pick Waste, and they just pick garbage and stuff like that every day, or like I think it's like once a week or something like that. And so he just said, all you got to do is, you know, start off. And again, no, I'm not trying to sound cliche either, but, you know, the small steps, obviously. And so the reason why he started Pick Waste is because someone, one of his teachers told him that. And so he wanted to challenge that idea. And then he did it. And then look at where he is today, talking to freaking uh, leaders, to students all around the world, which is just crazy. And so, you know, when I, I had the, like, the yesterday idea for quite a while just in my brain. I just never really had the confidence to do it, really. I was just like, whatever. Then I heard that, and he's like, you just got to start. And all I did was I, I – so I started off the Instagram account, and I put his hashtag of the small consistent actions, and he was the first one to follow it. And I was That's like, cool. What? I know, right? It's ironic. And he, uh, he was like, let's go, and he sent this message because, like, technically I talked to him, but it was, like, through email, so it wasn't that even that big of a deal. But when I he, – he realized that on Instagram, and I was just like – yo, maybe this guy is, maybe this guy is like, you know, speaking truth, like these small consistent actions, maybe they do go a long way. So I never thought that Sam would have been the first one to uh, follow some random kid from Houston. <laughs> Love it, man. Yeah, I know. And then after that, I'm like, I, I was just, it was full, it was all, all foot on the gas, just go, go, go. And I, we ground, we grinded out a bunch of different projects here in Houston. So then we've kept in touch ever since. How valuable do you think his uh, guidance has been in helping you gain support in your local community? Um, he's definitely like the 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 ignition 
he's just like the the start of the the start of the uh the journey i feel like generally i don't i i generally like to work not necessarily by myself but i guess he kind of he definitely helped me with when it came to like the behind the scenes and especially talking with uh bigger companies and stuff like that but once or twice once he taught me how to do that i was kind of on my own so he definitely was a really big start. He was a big, very big motivator for getting the whole thing going. And I think that's kind of his, what his job is to motivate kids. So he's he did his job, and he's and I guarantee he's motivated thousands of students because he goes to schools all the time and talks to different people, so it's really cool. How can people get involved with Yes Dairy BC, and what types of things can they do to support? Oh, um... Hopefully, when I leave to Victoria, my sister and stuff will be doing stuff in Houston. But the plan is to really blow it up, like in the south, so like the Okanagan and uh, the uh, the Vancouver Metropolitan, and even Victoria, where I'll be. But really, hopefully, when I if I can start networking and building more relationships down there, then I can really start to you know do big community events down there. And I guess the main way of support is just to you know. Just believe in caring about others, really, to be honest. Um, to get involved, just follow up. And hopefully we'll be doing some cool community events and stuff like that. But we'll see how it goes. It was definitely a summer project. Um, I just wanted to see if small, consistent actions really um, worked. You know, If I wanted to do something like this in Victoria, I, needed, like, I, I wanted to use Houston as a starting point. And so, yeah, I kind of proved my point a little bit. And so hopefully down in the city we'll keep going and meet new people and then the cool thing about yesterday bc it is very vague it's there's no real um kind of niche it's as long as you care about helping and wanting to learn new experiences that's all you really need and what's not to say eventually you'll you'll get it all over canada hopefully yeah at that point i don't know college i don't know man university we'll see <laughs> The biochemistry major, I don't know about that anymore, but... I know, so that, 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 I was totally going to ask you about that next. Obviously, I believe that you go into the University of Victoria to study biochemistry. Why? So, the main reason was because I was just good at bio and uh, biology and chemistry. <laughs> That's really the main reason why. But this was like... Uh, I didn't really think... Like, I cared about leadership and stuff and um, helping people, like, when I was applying for university, but I didn't really think of it as a career. But once I started doing, like, this nonprofit and actually being involved in, like, the whole process of it, then I realized, like, wow, this could this could be a true uh, passion. But uh, my, main, my main backup with it is if this maybe doesn't work out, I can still go to med, whatever, right? So cliche. Yeah. Or um, I could do... Uh, Something in uh, post-ed. That was my second plan. If I got a some kind of degree, I could go to post-education and get like maybe a uh, education degree and teach, and uh, hopefully to teach abroad and just travel and uh, study at the same time. So I thought that'd be fun. But we'll see. Nice. So, so you're just giving yourself some different options. Yeah, and... Everyone says, you know, people change their mind in university all the time. So I think I'm more excited. The biggest thing I am, the most excited thing for university is definitely the people. 
and the experience more than the content by a million miles. Like I'm so much more excited to to learn these different experiences than to be in a lab for three hours. Oh my gosh. So. <laughs> and I think based off like at this podcast so so far and my understanding of you is I, I think you'll do very well at university. Thank you. We may, I always, I always look at the positives, right? So it'll be fun. That's for sure. Hope you'll find some cool study buddies and just grind out the chemistry, the schooling, and then do the fun stuff later. So. And so do you, do you hope to continue growing a yesterday BC whilst you're studying? And, and then also how challenging do you think this is going to be? Uh, yeah, I do. Hopefully, um, I meet people with the similar goals and stuff like that. And we can work together on continuing to push the, uh, the movement or the initiative when it comes to the challenge. I don't think it's too difficult just because that's kind of like what I do. That's kind of like, I kind of enjoy doing it on my free time. I almost see it as a, a hobby than a, a chore or, you know, a job or something. I just do it cause I like doing it. So for example, rather than sitting on my phone, for three hours on TikTok or whatever, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll be doing a, I'd rather do, you know, writing a website or throwing emails at different people or or even like, even like sometimes going to parties or whatever, or going to like different social events. I don't even see it as like, I almost see that as like a business move of, you know, meeting new people rather than, you know, just, you know, having a drink or something like that. So, you know, you can make the bad look fun and stuff. You can always make a, a situation beneficial i don't know do you on a d daily basis kind of look after your physical and mental well-being um so i work i i work out i think that's important for the mental and physical health for sure uh again being open-minded talking to different people not getting too comfortable with a specific group good for your mental health very good for your mental health if not, you'll start picking up bad habits and you won't learn new good ones. And um, and I guess just, yeah, and the third one is being true to yourself. Like, just do not give in to uh, peer pressure or, you know, changing who you are just for others. Then you chase the dream, baby. That's what they always say. Nice. Yes, definitely. There's only... only... No, you, you've got to believe in what you're doing before anyone else yeah. can believe in it, right? So, and so where do you see yourself in five years? Solid question. Got to say, solid question. These are the tough ones. Um, I don't know. Hopefully, I'm either A, still going to be in Victoria, still just living life, meeting new people. And hopefully, like, I'll have a uh, bigger background and um, a way bigger resume or application or whatever you want to call it of different experiences, running more and more events public speaker, um, hopefully a few elementary schools, stuff like that, and um, travel a little bit, hopefully, to, I want to travel, like, like you know, um, Africa or Asia, stuff like that, where um, it's so much different than the culture we have here in Canada, just to get that different perspective, and to see how, uh, you know, they enjoy life versus, you know, how we enjoy life, and it's, I find, I find it very interesting how, um, you know, growing up in a Western society, and, you know, Western culture, the things we enjoy versus, you know, the, the little things they have there, yet they still find ways to enjoy life. And I find it really, they're very optimistic as well. I find the people that I've met and that I've talked um, and I find it interesting. So I definitely want to travel and get a different perspective to see um, how the rest of the world thinks, because in reality, sometimes I feel like as a Canadian, I feel like we're sometimes 
too much into our bubble. So it's nice to go out of it and just see what other people have to say about, you know, your bubble, I guess. <laughs> so travel, hopefully go into do a graduate degree and uh, continue to talk and meet more new people. So nothing too, too big, but hopefully we'll see. It just sounds exciting, you know, build the base and then go where, where you get like, yeah, wants to take you. It's nice because I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm just starting university, so I still have a freaking long ways to go. You have many years to go, man. Even yeah. even, on, even on me, you have many years to go, and I'm not even that old in the context of life. Yeah, no, it's it's super cool meeting new people. I really appreciate uh, you let me share my story, so it's awesome. No, th- thanks for be- being on the show, Tan, and obviously good luck with yesterday at BC and I. Uh, I'd be excited to see it expand across Canada into other provinces like Alberta, and also sure. all the all the great work you are doing in the community because it it's really important. And we we this is not a cliche in any way, shape, or form, but we do need more people uh, like you in the world and um, spreading the positive parts of life versus the uh, the negative uh, things that we everybody encounters in the world. Uh, can I say one more thing? Absolutely, man. Go for it. Um, you know, as a young as a young kid, you know, I'm I'm just like, I always get I always hear people tell me like I've done especially the yesterday stuff. I've done like such a big job and stuff like that, and I've done such a great job. And I think I feel like in reality I get too much of the credit because all I do is I bring the people together. Like without the whole group, you know, I wouldn't be here today and stuff like that. And so just like to anyone who um, especially like teenagers and stuff. If you wanted, if you like have a passion, you just go for it. Cause the only reason why I'm doing it is because I love doing it. So, you know, for me specifically, um, you know, I'm just an I'm I'm just an average guy to be honest. I just do what I love, and it kind of pushes me so much more forward. So, yeah, that's all I really got to say. Thanks, Mike. Though I really no appreciate that. Uh, and, and before we wrap this up, do you want to give a few shout outs to some key? people that help you with uh, yesterday in Houston, BC. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Yeah, for sure. Big shout out to Priya Minhas. She's my, uh, she's kind of like, I call it the, uh, I guess, co-founder in a sense. We co-founded together. The first one, my sister, she gets, she gets kind of annoyed of, uh, the talk sometimes (laughs) she hears, she hears, uh, people asking about me. Sorry. Got to apologize a little bit for that. And then, yeah, Miss Williams again for starting it all up and Sam too. Without Sam, I don't know. Maybe this wouldn't have been here today. And Eric, for shout uh, shout out to Eric as well for letting me meet you. So, absolutely, I I love Eric too. So Eric Chow, uh, the Eric Chow empowers uh, podcast. I uh, also go uh, give that a listen. And it's kind of cool how networking and meeting one person uh, can lead uh, to meeting someone else, which is a perfect example of mm-hmm. uh, this this podcast episode. And that's all we got uh, time for. So um, if you enjoyed uh, Tom's uh, story, make sure you go check out some of the other great stories at teawithmike.com. It's the Tea with Mike show.